All right, welcome to the Joshua Mock Podcast. Really excited about this very first episode. Uh, you always wonder who are you going to start a podcast, radio show, that kind of thing. Who's going to be your very first guest? So for me, it was really simple. Uh, we're going to be introing you to my friend uh, here in just a moment. But what is the point of the show? What do we talk about here? Um, basically, the five core areas of life. Uh, that I think that everybody, when we focus on these, we put attention to these. Our life, our lifestyle, our quality, our happiness grows. So focusing on faith, family, finances, fitness, and our friendships. Uh, so this guy today is not only a friend, but he's also a fitness guy. So we're going to be talking a little bit about fitness and his story. So uh, welcome, Seth. Seth Bessie. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Pleasure to be here. Dude, we've been... Good friends for a uh, long time now. Yeah, a long time. Um, well, like 2016, I think. 2016, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were you Five were senior years. in high school. Yeah, yeah, I was I was 17 when I met you. First okay, time. And, and so you're yeah, old I'm now? 23. 23. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah, yeah so right. Almost six years. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, newly engaged? Yeah. Right? When, are yeah. You get, when are you guys getting married? December 17th. That's, it's coming up. It's awesome. It's rolling. Yeah. Uh, we were talking like in December, like, oh man, it's only a year away. And I feel like that was just so soon, you know, now it's like six months and it goes by really quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can speak from experience. Uh, yeah. we, we had 10 months from the time we got engaged to the time we got married. Wow. And it was like crazy. It was just a blur. You right. know, you're just there before you know it. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, we worked together in my financial business for, uh, about three years, About three years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I run a financial advisory firm, um, and as financial advisor, Seth, uh, his brother, Mac, uh, worked with me mm-hmm. and then Seth, uh, became licensed, um, and worked with us as well. And then basically you, you found really your calling, not in finance, but you find your calling in, in, in fitness. fitness and you were kind right. of doing both at the same time, right? Like you were working with me and you were, right. you, you, you were working with me part-time and right. then, um, you were, Working at a gym. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. I, I definitely has always been a passion of mine. So no matter what I was doing to make money, I was always involved in fitness and exercising, if not for myself, for, you know, other people as well. Yeah. So it's definitely always been something that I've been into. Well, you were, yeah, you were like really fit as a senior right. when you like came in to right. when I first met you. You were already super into fitness right. at the time. So how did you like... How did that career, I guess, kind of come about? I mean, I remember when you looked at getting your certificate and me like right. encouraging you to do that. Right. But like, how did you even get to that part, to that point? To that, to that point? Right. Um, so fitness and exercise has definitely always been a part of my family. Uh, my mom was always super into eating clean and, you know, making sure you're not eating any kind of dyes, stuff like that in the food. We weren't allowed to eat cereal or junk food until I, I don't even know how old I was when my mom finally let me eat some kind of Cheerios. (laughs) So you guys were like super healthy. Oh, we were, yeah, crazy, crazy healthy for a long time. Okay. And then, um, she kind of lightened up on that as I got older, but, uh, she was always into eating organic grass fed, grass finished, that kind of stuff. Um, just staying away from, you know, heavily processed foods. And then my dad, uh, he was always into exercising and making sure he's staying active. And we're talking about like way before this was really a thing. I mean, right. like now, sure, you go to Costco, you can get grass-fed beef. Right. But I mean, we're talking about your childhood up to you're like 15. Yeah. So when, when were you born? 
I was born in 1998. Yeah, so 98, early 2000s, mm-hmm. so let's call it through 2010, mm-hmm. 15, right? Yeah. I mean, that was not commonplace. You couldn't no. even find organic food almost. That was At least here outside of Chicago, right, in the right. Midwest, in Indiana. In the Midwest, Indiana, right? Yeah. Yeah, and my mom has a pretty incredible story, too, of how she came into it. She was, she was actually really sick for a while, and yeah. uh, she was going to a doctor and she had gone through a few different doctors and they just couldn't give her any answers as to why she wasn't feeling well. And she eventually heard from some chiropractor somewhere that she should get on a specific eating regimen and basically just eating vegetables and meat. And she did that for a long time and she eventually cleared up her health. And that's kind of how she got involved into researching like, Oh, what is it to actually eat real food instead of you know, packaged and processed. So she was really working on healing herself, like right. her healing herself. And then right. that, that kind of led to then be like, my kids aren't going to eat the way yeah. I used to eat kind of exactly. deal. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And especially when the time, in the time that she grew up, in the time that she grew up, there was no health education. I mean, oh, sure. my mom was born in 1960. They thought that uh, margarine was the like fat the thing. to take in. Yeah. They were like, like through so much hate on saturated fats and everything and the sugar industry eventually changed it to where it's not or can't believe it's not butter that whole thing that's trans fats and margarine and that became huge for a while and now it's banned you can't find trans fat anywhere in the u.s it's literally illegal to put on your shelves because it's so bad for you wow causes what's, congestive heart failure what's what's so bad about it? inflammation like what's it hurt what's it, it do? it's it's plaque in your arteries yeah. i mean it's literally your body can't process it like it can real natural you know right. animal fats of course yeah um so wow. she grew up in that time and there was no health education and you know the thing was to drink a coke a day to right. stay healthy right yeah so it's kind of like that, I think that era, and you know, we'll get back to how you got into finance, right. but yeah. that era was like really weird because you had this like margarine kind of weird thing going, but at the same mm-hmm. time you had people, at least in our area, who were drinking like unpasteurized real cow milk that right. was like filled with good bacteria, right. gut, you know, and things like that. So like my dad was like, yeah, we ate like real beef that came from a cow that like my friend had at his farm right. you know right uh it was grass-fed out in the pasture and then and then like we drank like solid milk and you know these right. things but then on the other end you had like this the revolution through the 70s mm-hmm. and stuff of like the processed food world right that came well about. that's when it really all started you know you talk yeah. to your parents about like uh, candy or pop for instance like coca-cola and they're like oh it just tastes it tasted so different when i grew up it's yeah. like yeah well the ingredient list was probably like five ingredients now it's like 80 you know and there's a million chemicals that you can't even pronounce and that's when that all kind of started so like people i think were more eating more natural ingredients in the you know 40s 50s 60s and then into the 70s, it started to become more processed and, and packaged. Right. Yeah. So so, so your mom made you guys eat healthy. Right. You, you, your dad was a fitness dude. He, I know your dad now. Greg mm-hmm. is a beast. He, yeah. I mean, Greg will get on his bike, listeners. Greg is, <laughs> how old's your dad? He's 63 now. 63. He'll get on his bike and ride 50 miles 
on a just like a nice day. Oh, that's easy. not even like a legit workout day. That's no, just that's like he went ride. for a roll. Right. Um, and he'll ride a century, a hundred miles, if mm-hmm. he's like really feeling like getting on the bike. Right. 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 We're doing a century on the tandem uh, Sunday. Oh, so you're riding it? Okay, so yeah. you got tandem bike. Yeah, we got the right? tandem bike. Two, but you're not talking about like the tandem beach cruiser. This thing's no, 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 legit, no. right? Like no. it's like a this real. This is a legit Trek bike. It probably weighs less than most regular bike. Like if you have a bike in your garage, yeah. this tandem weighs less than that. Okay. And uh, road tires, clip-in pedals, you know. Yeah, this we got, is a real deal. Yeah, it's, this is a real deal. He okay. wrapped the handles and everything. Um so we we practiced last week. I'm not. I can get on the bike and do some miles, but I'm not a rider like him. He's a much stronger rider than I am, which is funny because he's 63. But we practiced last week. We did 40 ish miles, and then this week we did 50. And Sunday we have uh, an official like event where we're doing 100. So, so. you guys are going to go ride 100 miles mm-hmm. on a tandem bike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so like i know yeah. like we used to like roll through town on a tandem me and yeah. my buddy is like goofing around you know like that was cruising through town yeah. not riding 100 miles so but you know doing that makes awesome. you appreciate when these guys do ironmans and stuff yeah they go and swim two miles then they bike 113 and then they go and run a marathon for the ironman it's absurd it's, it's crazy absolutely insane yeah. i did 50 miles on the tandem and here's the thing too they're on their own bike when you're on the tandem you yeah you have double the weight because there's another guy in front of you but you also are you have four legs with two tires and you're pumping really really fast i mean we were cruising at 22 mile an hour the whole way home and it didn't feel like we were pushing that hard yeah you know wow so those guys are athletes oh yeah you're doing an iron man you are a seriously fit person right uh yeah Man, woman, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you are getting after it to right. be able to do, to run a marathon alone is a big deal. Like people yeah, train to feet. run a marathon, right. and then to think that you rode 113 miles on top mm-hmm. of that, and how much did they swim? Two miles. Two miles swim, mm-hmm. which I swam a mile many times <laughs> when I was younger. Like across this yeah. lake, it was about a mile. And my brother, my uh, brother, being like this little rowboat, mm-hmm. uh, the little things where you'd kick, you know, to move right. along. So they had this at this lake house. So he would like roll in that in case I was going to drown. I could like grab on, you know, and I would very likely scenario. Yes. Right. Cause it's a mile across yeah. a, 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 like a lake in Michigan. And I would, and I would do this thing. And I remember when I'd get to the other side, I'd be like, Oh my gas. And I'm like 17. I mean, right. I like I'm fit. I was never like, you know, right. I was a fit kid. Uh, and you'd swim that mile and I'd be like done for right. the evening, you know, and right. to think that you did there and back a marathon and 113 miles is just, it's beyond it's, my it's beyond my understanding. It's That's, beyond ninety nine percent of people's understanding. Yeah, and like I'm, I mean, I, you know, you're my personal trainer. So if folks, you know, you're listening, right? Seth's personal trainer. He's my personal trainer. I don't do as much cardio as I should. So as my good friend Tony Sorcy says, I have the body of a Russian inmate. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's like you got some big shoulders and looks like you can throw so on does weight he, though. But yeah, well, that's why that's why he says that. So, but, but you still got the gut, you know, a little yeah. bit going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so <laughs> the Russian inmate is one that's of the great. greatest, uh, you know, analogies for like a dad bod who's yeah. like who lifts and, and has strength though. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so you're working in a gym, right? right. How do you get into like becoming a personal trainer? I mean, there's going to be people listening that might think like maybe they want to be a personal trainer. I'm right. looking for a career or something like that. You clearly right. dig it. Right. So uh, 
you know, I, you asked me how I started, and I kind of went like way back to the beginning, which is like my upbringing. Yeah, my family's always been super fit. Let's just you know kind of square it up like that. So ra- being raised in that family, exercise is always super important to us. That was something that we did for leisure time together. You know, we'd go on a bike ride, we go to Chicago and go on a family bike ride or rollerblades stuff like that. Wow. So we were always an active family together, and we would do things like that. Um, and then my mom was super on top of the food, so I've always had a, a pretty solid education on why it's important to exercise and to eat healthy. And as I grew up, I really started exercising where, you know, you're lifting weights and you're getting on a regimen. When I was in the eighth grade, I actually did P90X with my dad because he kind of got out of shape. He was working a lot for a while. Okay. He got out of shape. He wanted to order P90X with Tony Horton, Beach Body. Yeah. And, and you're an eighth grader. Yeah. And I was in eighth right. grade. Okay. Right. And he, we had some weights in the house. So, uh, we started that program. I started with my brother as well. He's five years older than me. And so he was 18 at the time when we did the P90X. And before that, I played football. I played Pop Warner football. So I had was exercising before that. But it wasn't like a regimen program where P90X really is. So we did all of P90X. We made it through that. And then I really fell in love with training, weightlifting, you know, showing, you know, once you, you do the ab ripper X video and you're like feeling ripped as a, as yeah, a yeah, kid. Yeah, absolutely. You got no like, body fat, right? right I mean, right. you're like, you probably look shredded yeah, for like a little yeah, kid as, like, as a child. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and that was when I was in the eighth grade. So then I started lifting weights right around that time. Okay. And I would just do his exercise videos a lot. And then when I became a freshman, I got into uh, different people who have their own programs, their own okay. styles, and I kind of learned from them. And then from there, it was always a part of my life. Throughout high school, I I worked out five days a week, every single week, from the time that I was a freshman until uh, you know today. I still do. So, do you think there's some kind of like, like you and I have talked about this, and you're still young. You're 23, so right. you're not really at that point where like testosterone levels start to dip yet or um i mean you're kind of at the point where some people start to experience like metabolic change a little bit you know right. they, they, they hold weight right but do you think or is there any science that you've ever seen behind like you're an eighth grader doing p90x mm-hmm. is there like some digital imprinting on right. your system by be because like you're prepubescent let's say right. you're, you're right in the midst of that right, right? and then you start working out five days a week, not to the level where it's like dangerous and you're hurting your bones or something, but you're doing a lot of calisthenic clearly if you're doing P90X, that kind of thing. Does it program your brain or your, your, like your muscles? Right. That's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that too, because I was just learning about that. Uh, you know, I'm only 23. I'm still doing certifications. I'm still learning about this whole, this whole fitness world. Um, but there's a guy, his name's Matt Wenning. I definitely suggest you check him out if you're interested in strength and conditioning training. Um, he talks about how as he's a big power lifter, he lift, likes to lift super, super heavy weights. I think he held the world record squat for a while and he has a huge system. And he was talking about how the Russians were just blowing the American teams out of the water when it came to powerlifting for the longest time. And he said the reason is, is because when you approach your training, you need to think first general physical preparedness and then specific physical preparedness. Okay. So if you think about it like this, my general physical preparedness is, you know, can I get up and touch my toes and then run 
two miles and then come back and bench, you know, over my body weight and then squat two times my body weight. Can I do all of that? Am I generally fit? You know, yeah. So athletic ability. Am I an athlete? Can I do all this stuff and feel okay? You know, am I generally fit? Um, and then specific physical preparedness is getting into stuff like powerlifting or marathon training or triathlon training. So there's GPP and then there is, um, SPP and you need a solid GPP before you build on that SPP specific physical preparedness. Now he was talking about the Russians and how they're just blowing us out of the water. He said they have an amazing GPP by the time they're 10 years old. So these Russians will take these kids and they'll show, it's not like they're deadlifting a thousand pounds, but these Russian kids know how to deadlift with proper form. They can touch their toes. They can go run a mile and come back and do sprints, things like that. So they have an amazing base for general physical preparedness. By the time they're 12, 13 in America, we don't even pick up weights until that age. So it like, takes, yeah, even, and I would even say probably a lot later than that. Well, don't for most people, I mean, yeah, like yeah. even if you're doing middle yeah. school sports, right. like they're maybe making you do push-ups right. and some sit-ups, and then they're right. just making you run, and that's like physical, right. yeah, but you're not in a weight room. Right, yeah, yeah. for the general population. I was for referring sure. more specifically to like actual powerlifting athletes. Oh, athletes, so okay. in his in his example, yeah, he's yeah. talking about those actual athletes, like our athletes, the the people who represent the U.S. team in the Olympics, they don't even pick up a weight until they're 13 years old. Uh, Whereas these Russians were picking up weights at seven, five, you know. Uh, so it's not even about like, I mean, because you know they got caught like with steroids, for right? Instance. Right. So there's there's of course that kind of advantage, mm-hmm. but there's clearly scientific advantage to the fact that they just got started. They've younger. been doing it their whole life. They've been doing it. All I right. mean, the, the thing is that if I have, it doesn't matter how intense your regimen is. If you're training seven days a week and you're on top of everything, your food, your macros, every little part of your training program, if you're on top of it, but you've only been doing it for a year. If I've been training three, four days a week for 20 years, I'm just going to have that experience advantage on you. I've just gotten so much more volume than you. And it's not to say that I'm necessarily going to be stronger than you, but my general physical preparedness will definitely be more strong than yours. Yeah, that's like Malcolm Gladwell talks about, um, I think in his book, Outliers, he talks about 10,000 hours right? and like mastering something. Right. And you you divide that down by years and you mm-hmm. think about if a kid's lifting at six yeah. and you don't start to like 13, this kid could have in oh five to 10,000 hours right. already. Right. So he's a master at the movements and things like right. that. And, and he says nobody becomes a pro, like high, high level, get paid win gold medals right. kind of stuff before you get to t- the 10,000 hours. Right. Yeah. And the thing is too, is that for the Russians specifically, that's, it's all state sponsored. So uh, right. they choose their athletes, you know, they go through a little bit of screening and then it's like, okay, by five years old, we know who is going to be our power lifters. So it's crazy. <laughs> and, they're like, and then they're state sponsored. So they get money. They get, they paid. get money. They live to train, right? They live in those training facilities. They literally live to power lift. And, that's that was the whole scandal with the steroid thing. It's not like these guys were doing it privately. That's that's the point. The state was sponsoring the steroids. Right. So <laughs> the government's yeah. like, yo, yeah, we got some steroids. We need yeah. you to get beefed up. They wanted to win. Yeah. They wanted to win. Right. right. So okay. So um, clearly, you working out younger affects 
So, I mean, people listening, you got kids. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with making your kid in the middle school, like, do mm-hmm. push-ups, do squats. Right. Like, get it, like, with good form, right. teaching them not to hurt themselves. But, like, to <clears throat> not just physical exertion, like, go run around outside, but, like, right. actually work out with you. Right. Kind of thing. Like, right. I actually do. I mean, you did P90X. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, like, a very serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, like. Weightlifting, pull-ups, all right. kinds of stuff, right? right. In in that regiment, yoga, yoga. stretching, yeah, right. yeah. And the thing is, too, is that people. Uh, it's not very common these days, but it used to be super common where people would say, "Oh, you're going to stunt their growth. You're going to put too much pressure right. on their bones." I remember and their hearing joints. that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, and too much. It's, it's bad. just not the case for most people. It's just not the case. And here's, I mean, just a general rule of thumb: if you're going to put your kid into pop Warner football, that is. 10 times as dangerous as getting them into weightlifting 10 times. I just saw a video uh, a few days ago of this drill that this team was going through. And these kids are, I mean, I'm not even kidding. These kids had to be six or seven years old, maybe real little kids, real, real little kids where their helmet looks like it's twice as big as their body, you know? And they're doing these drills and this kid literally, I mean, these kid, this kid puts his head down, tucks for the, the tackle and they, bump heads and the kid goes flying and i mean it's brutal to see because it's a child but that's literally like you're developing cte as a kid right right and that is infinitesimally more more dangerous than getting your kid into weightlifting oh for sure i mean yeah if a kid's right you're getting smashed in the skull right at impact i mean mm-hmm. come on it, as a child your developmental while you're, years, while you're development yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah there's no way that you doing air squats um <laughs> right. you know or, or a bunch of push-ups even right. if you're just doing making a kid do calisthenics right um is by any way worse mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way right uh, and and then people talk about soccer and it's like yeah soccer is a little bit safer than football when it comes to cte but there's still cte all over soccer yeah there's more concussions still. in in soccer mm-hmm. than there is in football mm-hmm. yeah, right. right so so all right so you get into fitness you're, you're into it through high school how do you start making money at fitness? So I decided that, uh, first of all, when I was in high school, I would train my buddies all the time because I was interested in enough in the subject where I'd be watching YouTube videos all day long and learning about it without even realizing that I was working on becoming a professional at something. I was just interested. So you actually knew like the movements, you knew right. things. So the kids come into the gym and you can actually be right. like, let's do this. Right. This is how we build muscle. Or whatever. Right. I okay. knew form. I understood that you should train like an athlete. You know, when, if you want to look like an athlete, you need to train like one. I knew form with a lot of different things. Um, and then of course you have your mentors growing up where for sure people that know more than you, you kind of take from them and then whatever in that you need to be discerning and make sure that you're not, taking bs from people but you're actually researching what you hear and then looking into it and trying to figure out what the best way to do it is and that was in high school i would train my buddies all the time and have us i would i'd be the one setting up the workout program 99.9 percent of the time if we went to the gym i was the one that was leading the workout and like i said i was just scratching my own itch i just wanted to learn more about it and i loved i loved doing it so that was in high school, and then I realized I I got a membership at a gym, and there was okay. a personal trainer there, and I was talking to him, and he was just telling me about what his day looks like, what he does for his job, and how much money he makes. And I was like, man, that's really, really cool, actually. You 
are essentially doing what I'm doing now, but, you're, <laughs> yeah, but, you're but people paid. are paying you. <laughs> so I decided that that's something that I definitely wanted to pursue. And my, uh, my high school actually gave me a little bit of money. They, they had the program set up where they would give you money to go get a certification oh, if okay. you decided to not go to college. So uh, to kind of get you started in the workforce yeah, with yeah. whatever certification it was going to wow. be. Okay. So they ended up paying for a decent amount of my first certification. And I went and got certified at 19. I waited a little bit because I was getting involved here and I was going through financial licenses and learning, you know, different business techniques here. And then at 19, I went and got certified as a personal trainer. And I started at that same gym that I met that personal trainer at and actually had some of his clients after he left and okay it was yeah. uh you know i had no idea how to do it i would come to the gym and i would send people through workouts that's essentially what i would do right right, right. and because you can get the cert but i mean you still then got to learn oh, how to like build programs right, right build you know so how so how's your like <clears throat> philosophy on I guess like systems or building a, pro- a right. program like that. I don't know what exactly you'd call right. it. Like how's that, how's that morphed? Yeah. So in the beginning it didn't exist, you know, right. you would come to the gym and it's not to say that I didn't have the workout written down. I've always written down the workouts for my clients, but it was pretty general. You know, if you wanted to come to the gym, I know calories in calories out, you need to clean up your diet. And if you start working out with me three days a week and we're doing some pretty intense interval training and we're lifting some weights, then more than likely you're going to get the results you want. And, you know, any bonehead can do that, honestly. Right. Just, if, you've had, if you've had experience in the gym enough to train yourself, you could probably train somebody. And right. the thing is, is that 90% of your clients are not any of the wiser on what you're doing. If I come into the gym and I say, all right, today we're going to do uh, deadlifts and then we're going to do RDLs and then we're going to do sumo deadlifts and then we're going to do, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know what all those are. It's like, you know what that is, yeah. but you wouldn't be uh, qualified enough to recognize that that's probably a little bit of overuse on the posterior chain, hip hinging movements, and you don't really want to do that unless you want to blow out your low back. So, right, but you wouldn't know that, right? And that's sure. my job. So. Outside of those things, the program essentially just looked like coming to the gym, get a good workout and go home, Got you it. know? Yep. And now the program, I mean, you know, cause every time you come to the gym, your, your workout is written down on the board. I have everybody's name in my files here and I'm able to go through exactly, all right, for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing strength training, you know, and then after that, we're going to hit a little bit of phase and hypertrophy. Then we're going to hit a little bit of conditioning. We're going to go back to speed and then strength training again. So the, the way that the programming has changed is essentially just becoming more professional in, you know, changing up training styles and getting that, um, getting that down in that way. Would you, I mean, I, I've never really worked with other personal trainers. I was mm-hmm. the same way I lifted in high school, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, we did like chest and tribes one day back and by right. legs, you know, right. kind of like, right. different days. Right. Um, but let, let's, let's kind of like shift gears over to if that was you like at that gym, cause now, now, now you're at, like a personal trainer gym, like right. explain the gym you're in. It's not, you're not like in a, a, a big franchise gym. Right. Yeah. So like 
a big box gym, like an Anytime Fitness or, you know, a Gold's Gym or anything like that. Yeah. I, I started in that and that was a great experience because you're dealing with general population and you're going through all that stuff and you're kind of working your sales skills with that because yeah. there's just people coming into the door all day long. Uh, but now I work in a setting where it's just personal trainers and clients and that's it. There's no members coming in and out. Right. Um, you only come when your session is scheduled and you leave when your session is over. There is no coming early and warming up on the treadmill and staying staying late and hitting a few more sets. It's strictly personal trainers, clients, scheduled sessions. Right. And I'm a, I essentially work like a barber. So yeah, you exactly. know, any barber that you know is probably renting the chair that they use. So I pay rent to the owner and I do my own training systems. I do my own protocol. I set my own schedule, all that stuff. So, yeah. so that, so let's talk about those big box shops, right? They, mm-hmm. they all have trainers, that kind of thing. Right. You've got clearly a place like yours where you got this individualized uh, trainer who's only seeing you at that time, you know. Right. Now, you guys have some group stuff available. Right. Right. Um, but let's talk, like, where would you say, not even necessarily the trainers within those big box places, and we can go down that road if you want to, but what about just fitness in general, in 2021 like gyms the state of gyms in Mm -hmm. fitness in 2021 do do we think we're getting better at getting fit or like are we getting worse because i see a lot more gyms than i've ever seen you know i mean when i was younger there wasn't that many gyms yeah so there's loads of them now but are people Mm. actually getting more fit do you think that's a great question and there is you know, it's it. There's a certain part of it that's a necessary evil. You know, because the thing is, is that I and I don't want to throw shade on any group training class because the thing right. right now is group training, right? Okay. The that's thing right hot. now is group training. It's hot. Right? Okay. And what you're gonna go to is a Orange Theory Fitness, and you're gonna sit on the rower for 15 minutes. Right. Then you're gonna get on the treadmill for 15 minutes. Then you might do a few kettlebell swings, but then it's back to the rower. So. Okay. 99% of Orange Theory is going to be centered around muscular endurance conditioning and, you know, cardio. So okay. uh, that is a quarter of training uh, and what you can do with resistance. That's a quarter of it. Of the styles. Of the styles. So, a minute right. ago, you said something like speed. Right. Hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. So there's there's four different training modes you can deal with when it comes to resistance training. Now, okay. um, you're going to start off with strength and speed, and they kind of go hand in hand. So okay. uh, when you're talking about reps, if I want to train for strength, I'm going to be, be between one and five reps, maybe one and six at the most. Okay. Um, when I'm training for speed, I'm between about one and five. Um, when I'm training for hypertrophy, I'm going to be between six and 12. That's how a bodybuilder is going to train is for hypertrophy. You're going to gain more muscle that way. And then when I'm looking into muscular endurance, I'm going to be 12 plus reps. And with those repetitions come percentages of workload. So let's Mm -hmm. say my one rep max on a back squat is 315. I want to be between, you know, uh, when I'm training for strength, I want to be between a hundred and because it's one rep. So I want to be between a hundred and what a five rep would be is about like 85% of that one rep max. Uh, Speed is a little bit lower because you're actually trying to move the weight fast. So I'm not as high in the weight there. Hypertrophy is between 85 and 67% of that one rep max. And then muscular endurance is 67 plus, especially or lower than 67%. So those group classes, you're not necessarily like really 
getting into these different forms. No, not at all. You're not you're not, not going like for through a phase where everybody's like, oh, we're yeah. doing you know t- ten plus reps, right? And then we're moving into this different phase of strength. And there's so many or, different things too, like tempo. You know, if I tell you, I, I was just training your wife this morning and yeah. she was in the gym and what I had her do was four seconds on the eccentric, one second on the concentric, which means I'm going to come down real slow for a four count and then I'm going to pop up fast for a one count. They're not doing any of that in Orange Theory. Right. They're not doing pause reps. They're not doing chain work. They're not doing band resistance work. It's 99% of it is there's a cheerleader on the floor who got a workout from corporate. And she's got a microphone on. She's like, all right, let's go class. We're going right, to do 1,000 meters on the rower. Right. Keep it up. And then there's music playing. And right. it's great. You know, if you. Which is cool because that, right. that might fit for the right person. Right. Exactly. But, it, that's why I don't want to throw shade on these people right, in these right. organizations. Because at the end of the day, or these businesses, because at the end of the day, there's a huge market for them. Obviously. obviously they have a right. giant market for them. There's something about being able to go to a group class with your friends you get a seemingly great workout in because you're sweating. And that's what a lot of people use to typically connotate a great workout with. For sure. Like, yeah. am I exhausted? Am I sweating? Yeah. Um, where you're exhausted and you're sweating because you're doing insane amount of cardio. But there's a great value there for some people. But, and I will say this because I have a lot of clients that come from places like Anytime Fitness and F45 and Orange Theory. They're eventually comes a point that you hit a plateau right? because you can't train the same modes forever. You can't. No, I've learned that when you start, when your workout like style changed mm-hmm. to these four formats, which mm-hmm. um, when you did that, I noticed that when we would go like strength through these things and then we, then when we'd get back to strength, right. I mean, every time we've ever done that, Mm-hmm. I was benching more, squatting more, deadlifting right. more than the than the cycle before. Right. So it's like we keep shocking my muscles, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. Um, and then every time we come back around, my max has grown by like mm-hmm. 10, 15 pounds. Right. You know? And that's the way it should be. But for a lot of these people who are just doing cardio, it's like I go to the gym four days a week. I do our, my Orange Theory classes four days a week. Yeah, my cardiovascular endurance is going to grow. Like I'm going to be able sure. to run the – the two mile faster or whatever they're going to have you do over there. I'm going to be able to do everything faster. I'm going to feel better while I do it, but eventually you will hit a plateau and you're not going to be quite as fast. Like weightlifting is one of the best things you can do if you're trying to run faster. Right. And it's just not an option at an orange theory. Something class. like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you got into the, this gym, which is um, ran by or owned by the gym that you're at now, mm-hmm. kind of the barber shop, right? Right. Uh, right. The, is owned by um, it's Fitness Evolution, right? Right, owned Fitness by Evolution. Luke Triveline, yep. Uh, yep. who is a super cool dude who yeah. we'll have on here. He's great. Um, and he's another one of my mentors right now. I mean, I, from a lot of the stuff, like you said, once we started doing all of this stuff, so I wasn't really doing the programming even when I came to this gym two and a half years ago. And he's one of the major reasons that I've gotten into this because he's an SCA certified, which is – a uh, certification that you can't even apply for until you have a degree in some kind of exercise science. So there's a huge, you know, exclusivity there with that certification. And he's just one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever spoken to about this subject. And I'm taking from him every single day. I mean, I'm 
you know, working next to my mentor eight hours of the day, every single day. So it's an amazing benefit to being there. It's growing with these people. Being being around people that are professionals is something makes a, makes a huge difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that changed up that. So then like what, um, you, you do group classes. I do a little bit. I do group training. Right. And the thing is, because I do one-on-one. Right. But then you, you have group and one-on-ones available. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So one-on-one is available. I also do like small group training where I have three, four, five people at a time. And then I do larger group training where there'll be 12 people in the class. But the thing is with the group training is that I have a lot of consistent customers. There's people that love to come to group training classes and that's totally fine. My group training because of that is set up in a way where we are going through those macro cycles without them even knowing it. So uh-huh. For instance, last week, uh, last week at the gym, we were doing mostly hypertrophy, hypertrophy. Sorry. We were doing four sets of eight reps on two different exercises. We're supersetting. Um, I had them make sure that they were lifting heavy enough weight to be able to get in that hypertrophy range. And then this week we are going into a more, uh, circuit training style where we're doing timed exercises. So 40 seconds on 20 seconds off, and then you switch exercises just like an orange theory class might be. But the thing is, is that we're only going to do this for two weeks and then we're going to strength switch. Right. So then we're going to be doing five by fives and everything. Which I'm in that right now. And I can't wait for it to be over. (laughs) Uh, I I know. I hate this cycle. I I hate this cycle of the 40 seconds on kind of stuff. We just rode 3000 meters. Yeah. I ran 3000 meters yesterday and then, you know, I want to get back to like um, just such a bro thing isn't it? <laughs> to be like, dude, can, when can I just pick up something heavy again? Right, here? You know, right. um, but I know that my strength will be stronger because every time right. we go through it, you know, I'm stronger right. the next time around. So, right. um, yeah, that's awesome. So, so you, you turned it into a career. It was just something as a guy who was just fit mm-hmm. and then it turned into like a personal trainer, right. you know, and then aren't you, so like you've got all this personal people can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's so much of this, like I can get in any time fitness, you right. know, uh, membership for really cheap like, right. or, or planet fitness or uh, whatever, you know, right. something like that. So, but then people still don't know what they're doing. Right. Right. So it, you and I were talking, you're, you're creating some like online. Right. Cause I think that's kind of the deal. Like if you're personal training only, it might be too expensive, like out of the budget for right. some people. Right. So, but then if you're new, you're like, man, I'm out of shape. I really want to get in shape. Um, I I think the average person in COVID, um, which without even making this political, right? I, I think COVID was like the one opportunity for us to do like a real health right. like reset in America yeah. and for like leadership at at a federal level to come mm-hmm. out and say, yo. To step up. This is really, you know, this is really dangerous. We're right. working on uh, vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. But- it's definitely clear in any virus in the history of the world, right. those who survive it are those who are fit, period, right? Right. right. Like it's going to increase your likelihood <clears throat> right. Right, of, of surviving something, right. right? If you're healthy. And there's always going to be anomalies, but the, ex- the exception proves the rule, right. right? And the thing is, is that metabolic health has been without a doubt, without a doubt, bar none, the most important thing that you can have going through this pandemic. Yeah. And we, and we didn't hear any of that. Like we didn't, no. we didn't hear like, no, be help, like go out, like get outside in the fresh air. Right. Let the UV create di- vitamin D in your system. Right. Um, you know, it, it, 
you know, go for a walk, go for long walks right. with your kids. Right. Um, have a you know strong I mean? community. Have a strong community. Right? right. Like maybe even stay away from people. I get it. Like, okay, it's right. social distance, but like, cool, go for long walks, go for a run, right, uh, do a bike ride. What What's going to destroy your immune system more than anything is depression and anxiety. And <laughs> it's proven <laughs> that people who don't have strong communities and, you know, strong tight bonds with their family members and, and friends and stuff like that, they have more depression and anxiety and that ruins your immune system right. along with other things. Right. But that's definitely a, a, a part of our daily life that was kind of stripped from a lot of people and it makes you more unhealthy. Right. And if we're talking about you have a 99.999% chance of surviving this. If you're metabolically healthy, I want to focus on my metabolic health. Right. Right. And Cause that 99 goes down right. if you're like really right. out of shape, right. you know, you're like, I'm a hundred right. pounds overweight or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just guilty as anybody. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm not right. in the fittest of shape, you right. know? Um, but I, I think like that was a chance for us to reset and like come back to the real answer to some things is like, right. Hey Americans, we're like one of the most out of shape countries on the mm. planet. We should like get our act together mm-hmm. uh, on this. And we, we didn't take that opportunity. No. Um, or I, and I don't know, but the average person, I, man, I'd have to look it up, but I think the average person in COVID gained like 30 pounds. Oh, it was insane. It was, was insane. Not, not a little bit of weight, like gained a lot. Yes. 30 yeah, pounds a is lot a significant of weight. amount of weight. Yep. And I know people who have gained a significant amount of weight because of the stress, anxiety, the fear, right? Right, which causes cortisol levels go up. Cortisol levels go up. I need to feel better. They're they're sleeping like garbage, and then they're eating more ice cream. Right. I mean, everybody knows you drove by the Dairy Queen in your town. Yeah. And in Crown Point, Indiana, it would literally be out. It still is to this day. Right. You'll drive by, and people are parked in the street, Mm -hmm. like waiting where there's oncoming traffic that could rear end them. Right. Uh, because they got to get their blizzard. Right. 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 Um, and you know, what's funny. I was talking to one of my clients about this the other day. This is a little bit off topic, but, right. uh, when the shutdown happened and all the restaurants had to go on to go status, so yeah. all their orders were to go. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, you think about this fast food places have been perfecting that since the birth of their business. They've what been they perfecting the to go status. So restaurants, I, I was talking to him. He said, yeah, man, every time I got French fries, they were soggy. He's like, they're getting better. They're getting better at the to-go thing. But every time I got French fries in the beginning, they were soggy. So these restaurants, just as a reality, they haven't been perfecting this to-go thing. Right. Because that's not what they do. That's not what they're good at. For but sure. these fast food restaurants, that's all they've ever done. So if I go to Culver's, I know my cheese curds are going to be crispy. You know, right, that bacon sure. and the burger is going to be crispy. And restaurants just haven't been doing that. So it was a huge hit for them. So if I want like good to go food, I'm going to go to Culver's, you know, right, for rather sure. than my Italian restaurant. That's probably going to screw something up right. because this is just isn't what they do. So there was even more of an incentive for Americans, a small one, but more of an incentive for Americans to go to crappy yeah, ta- fast food yeah. places. Um, plus, like <laughs> you said, they're depressed. Right. You know, like right. even if we didn't think we were depressed, I mean, I know I was mm-hmm. like a you know, in depressed, I'm not in like right. this kind of like, weird. like a, like a bad <laughs> depression kind of thing, but right. just in this like funk, maybe mm-hmm. is a better word for it where you're just like, 
dude, I got to see some people. Right. Like, this is messing, it was messing right. with my head, you know? Right. Um, just the, the solitude kind of thing. It was just way too much for me. I was like an extrovert who like wants right. to be with people, right. you know? Especially kind of, extroverted. Kind of yeah, which I did anyways. Um, right. Because, you know, right. that's just me. And then back to your point, though, about the United States using this as an opportunity to breathe more information into our health. Yeah. And I mean, all politics aside, it definitely has divided the country on another subject, you know, and we don't agree on this, but one thing that is scientifically proven, it's, you cannot disagree with it. It's that metabolic health will keep you from these diseases. I mean, it just makes you period. Right. You know, the stats just show that it will. And there are, yeah, there's exceptions to the rule, but the exceptions prove the rule. Right. So, so yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, um, I mean, it's always been known, you know, right, like it's not right. something that people are like, I love when people do it. Well, I knew a marathon runner who died. I'm like, okay, well I know 50 people who were overweight who died. Like, right. like, don't be right. silly here. Come on. Right. Like we know the more in shape you are, the better off you're going to be. Exactly. These things, you know, um, in, in like everybody who is dying as a large part of the, the, consensus and numbers who got COVID we had, you know, comorbidities. They yeah. had other issues. Yeah. Like the CDC came out with that number and they said only it was like an average of two point five or something like that, comorbidities. Yeah. Well they, and, they, and they said that only ten percent of the total COVID deaths mm-hmm. so like ten percent right or less of everybody who's died of COVID didn't have something else going on. Right. Ten percent. Well right. like that's a really small number. When right. you think about it as a, as the total, that means ninety percent of everybody else mm-hmm. was ma- vastly overweight, right. diabetes, um, smoking forever, and that now they've got you know uh, you know right. emphysema or something. You know, it's well, the thing is too is on. that I don't think that I may be wrong, and you guys can fact check me if I am, but I don't think that obesity is considered a comorbidity. Oh, really? It, it, it needs to be a disease. So something like type two, if I have type two diabetes and it's diagnosed, then yeah, that's a comorbidity. But if I'm just obese and I haven't gone to the doctor and got my insulin levels checked or my blood pressure or anything like that, then I don't have any comorbidities. So, I mean, you could also, you could be vastly out of shape and not be in that number of comorbidities just because it hasn't been like diagnosable. Right. And the thing is too, is that like being old. Yeah. You think about that. That's a comorbidity. Yeah, you're just old. Right. Yeah, you're right. just old. Like you, sure. your time was coming. Right. Um, but that's not going to be listed as a comorbidity either because it's just a fact of life. It's just a fact of life. Right. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all viruses when you're old are really dangerous. My oh. grandmother yeah. got just the flu two right. years ago and ended up in the hospital and almost died right. from that virus. And it was just the flu, but which is an influenza right. like COVID. But without going into that stuff really deep, I think it's just apparent. And it was just, I think it was kind of, it was upsetting to me that like, we just didn't talk about that. Right. You know what I mean? It just wasn't part of the conversation. Like, right. hey guys, gyms could maybe stay open at mm-hmm. like a really limited. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about 24 hour gyms here right. who, who there's hardly ever enough people in them at any given point when we're full capacity and world's like gripping and ripping. There's barely enough people in there ever that you couldn't keep a six foot distance, be smart, right. wipe down all the machines, this and that, right. and allow people to at least stay fit. Um, right. You know what I mean? During that, like the lockdown season when things right. were really tight and we're in Indiana, it loosened up 
faster. Mm-hmm. But if you're in like California, Michigan, you know, right. some of these other places, you're talking about letting people get really unhealthy for a really long for period a long of time, time. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. And it, it's, it's sad to see that because the numbers were in, you know, the numbers were in, they were, numbers was, were in, right. right. They knew. And, and it was just ignored. And I think, you know, it's just, focusing on other things and, and agendas and whatnot. But like even saying that is controversial. Right. You know, it, it's hard to say anything these days. Right. But, but I mean, how do you, it's just, it's, it's silly. People try to argue those things, but it's like, just shut right. up. Like, right. you, you, like stop. Right. You just, you sound ridiculous. Yeah. To, after to, a certain point, it's like, what are we going to focus on here? Facts or like, dude, I've been, I've been like, I was at like 23% body fat and I was like, right. I feel like garbage. Right. Like, I know right. what it is. I know what it's like to feel good. Mm-hmm. I've been healthy. This mm-hmm. is not healthy right now. Mm-hmm. And that's at like 20%. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like not super healthy or uh, super heavy and feeling like, dude, I feel dragging right now. Right. I feel like I'm dragging. I'm tired. Right. The weight's beating. You lean down to tire shoes and right. you can feel it. And that's at like a, as a 200 pound dude. Right. Carrying 40% of. 40 pounds of fat. Right. Right. And, and being like, this sucks. Right. And so it's like, it's not like you can't know that it's not there. Like, you know, right. That you don't feel good. Right. Like I knew that I didn't feel good. Now my knowing didn't mean that I would, I knew or felt bad enough to make a change. Right. Because we only finally make change when it like, we're motivated by like, optimism of something happening right Right. or like fear right Right. so it was like i was finally motivated by to like get better because i just felt bad enough that i was like i don't want to feel like this anymore this stinks right for a lot of people it has to get bad enough before you make a change for sure and it's sad to see when things are so bad and you still can't make a change right you know and you see that even with cases of like cancer you know where you're diagnosed a smoker of 40 years is diagnosed and he, and he just can't stop. You know, you know that it's bad. It's a diagnosable issue and you can't stop. And that is, it's a reality of people's habits with their food these days. It's just, just like that. What's addiction. Right. Right. I mean, I know I, I still struggle with it. That's why I still right. have a Russian prison body. Right. Because <laughs> like, I, like I still, uh, I have this natural propensity to, to like right. overeat. Right. Like I'll just like somebody set down the food and I'm like, yeah. And I, right. it's like this trigger that I like got to finish the food. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like I still kind of have that. Like when you're a kid or something like finish yeah. kind of deal, like I still got to do that. So I overeat and then like, I still like, you know, I, I can't forego the dessert. Right. If there's dessert, I'm like, yeah, all right. Give me that right. pie. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so I'm not saying any of this from like some kind of like for mean, I like, I know right, I struggle right. with the fact that now I work out and I would love to see my body fat decrease. Exactly. But that, you know, these are addictions, right. you know what I mean? Like they're really tough things to overcome, right. you know? Right. And your habits form your identity, you right. know, and vice versa, your identity forms your habits. So if I view myself as someone who smokes, then I'm a smoker. I'm a smoker. Right. And right. I, and I smoke when, especially in social settings after I drink well yep. after dinner, blah, blah, blah. So, but if I change my identity, I start to think of myself as a healthy person. Like what would a healthy person do? If I ask myself that question, whenever I come to an impasse, of course, you know, it gives you the direction, the clear direction. If I ask what would a healthy person do? You see the path, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to take the path. Right. right? But once you change your identity, you start to change those habits. It's that's, what's so huge about that. Yeah. Zig Ziglar talks about that, right? Like how you view yourself, your auto suggestion, like what you're suggesting to your own mind. Cause I would like, I would say to somebody things like, and and I'm still really working on change, shifting that auto suggestion in my own Mm -hmm. subconscious. Cause you'll say to somebody like, I'll say like, you know, scoot over, you know, or this, whatever. Cause they say like, right. I'm, I'm 220 pounds of USDA beef right. here, you know, like, you know, like, and like, right. it's like when people are heavy, they make fat jokes. Right. Or, right. you know, cause they identify as fat. Right. You know? So like, and I'm saying that from me making jokes right. about myself right. and then, and then you really realize like, dude, if you keep calling yourself the fat guy. You see the fat right. guy in your head. You're going to retain that. Right. Like it's impossible to get away from it and change right. if that's who you are. That's who like, you are. You know what I mean? Like I'm right. saying that about myself and therefore I'm just right. manifesting that to continue in my life. Right. Yeah. Because subconsciously you think identity wise, I am the fat guy. I and am. what does the fat guy do? The fat guy eats too much. He doesn't get good sleep. He, you know, and there's so many negative things that come along with being sure. the fat guy versus what would a healthy person do? Yeah, well, the fit guy. I'm the fit guy, right? The fit guy doesn't eat too much. He doesn't overeat. He doesn't, you know, eat dinner or eat dessert after every single dinner. There's different things like that. And then there's things like what you said, like, I thought that was interesting that you said that uh, I'm used to finishing my food like when I was a kid. And there's so many things like that that we need to be careful with, I think, with our kids, like just telling them you know, finish your food. And I understand I'm not a parent yet. So maybe I don't get, you know, Oh, he's not eating. He needs to eat more. And maybe that is the case for a lot of them. But I distinctively remember my grandma always telling me, you're not going to waste that food. You're going to finish that food. And it was like every single plate we had, we had to finish. Right. Even if I wasn't hungry for it. So, and I get it being conservative with your, with your money and your funds and everything. But after a certain extent, it's like, look at this country, look at where that's brought Just us. Just make less food right. you know, or what, like right. make a smaller plate, right? Like right. There, there make was a, a smaller plate. There was a great YouTube video I just saw and it was uh, UK. So um, United Kingdom uh, fast food companies serving size versus Americans and they were weighing them. Wow. And dude, there's so I many, bet. we were getting like double the fries. <laughs> the liquid Coke is yeah. like 14 more ounces from a large to a large. Wow. The, the everything it was, it was insane. Right. Everything was bigger, you know? Right. And, and it's like, we don't clearly need that much food because people in England aren't starving to death. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, it's, 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 we're eating too much. Right. And I say that from personal experience as a guy who just admitted that. Right. Like, I just, I'm like, yeah, might as well get the big dog, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then there's also, there's things in our food that aren't in other countries food that literally turns off the signal for satiation in our brain. Like to make you stop eating. Kind right. Of like, okay. Yeah. Like when you eat, when you eat a good example would be like sugar. If I eat some raw honey, like raw organic honey that has the correct signals to signal to my brain once I've had enough that I've had enough, I'm satiated, I'm good, I could stop right now and I'm fine. There's things like Skittles that have all these artificial, you know, there's sweeteners and there's sugar, but then there's sucralose and all this other crap in it that, or high, high fructose corn syrup is the one that I'm, I'm really looking for here. And that literally doesn't signal to your brain that you're satiated. Ah. So it doesn't send that signal. Interesting. So and that's why I can mainline a bag yes. of M&M's, right? Yeah. Okay. But if yeah. you had like the same amount of sugar and honey, 
yeah. you would be like, oh my gosh, that's way too much. And you, you would feel that too. Like actually, that's why it's so important to eat real food. Fruit has that as well. Fruit, yeah. you know, fruit has that same thing where I can only eat so many blueberries before I feel like sugared out and I'm good. Yep. But I could smash a whole bag of Skittles. Dude, that's crazy. I've never even heard this idea. Really? Because like sugar's sugar but it's not you know what i mean no. like sugar and a strawberry is very different oh, like very different. for sure right. in how it makes you feel right then in skittles but i've never heard or knew that it like yeah, and from think a about chemical it, like, level it, it doesn't right. signal the brain right and the next time you eat something sugary eat it mindfully and think when do i feel full yet do i feel satiated yet mm. and you'll notice that with real fruit real sugar like real sugar honey raw honey you'll notice the satiation pretty quick. Your body doesn't need that much sugar. Right. But when it comes to eating like Skittles or whatever it may be, candy, high fructose corn syrup, you're never going to get that satiation. It'll always be like, I could keep eating. I could keep eating this, blah, blah, blah. And and it's just never. And you don't stop. Right. You don't stop until it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, lots of, um, as we kind of wrap up here, I mean, just, wow. And we went down the road, right? We did. Kind we of definitely did. How you got into fitness. <laughs> so Seth is a personal trainer. You can follow him on, on Insta. It's probably on your Instagram. number one platform. Yeah, Instagram is going to be my number one. That's Seth J. Bessie on Instagram. And then I have a website. It's going to be versa.fit. Versa.fit. We're going to have him, his info in the show notes uh, for you guys so you can check him out. Um, follow some of this stuff. Are you, are you now we started to talk about that. Are you creating like some online stuff? I am. I'm working on online programs right now and it's going to be specific for whatever your desired goals are. I mean, that's going to be the number one thing when you first come to me as a client, I'm going to ask you, okay, what are your goals? You know, where do you want to be in the next 16 weeks, you know, two, three, four months, where would you like to be physically? And if you're an athlete and you think, okay, I want to get faster, I've got a speed program for you. If you want to gain muscle and you're like a gym bro, I've got a hypertrophy program for you. If you want to lose body fat, then I've got an all around full body, you know, trim down, lean up program for you. Very cool. So I'm going to have that all down, written down in my website where it's specific to your goals and exactly what you want. And you're going to see those macro and meso and micro cycles where you're not just doing the same exercises over and over and over again. You're actually going to see some change in the program. Awesome. So by the time this drops, some of that might be out. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know how long. What's the window you're looking at for when you, some Within of that stuff's going to Within the next like eight weeks, I'd like cool. to have at least two of those up there. It'll probably be the strength first, and then I'll look at the lean one, and then it'll be hypertrophy and speed last. Nice. Um, well, thank you, Seth. Yeah, uh, appreciate you. you being on, man. It what a lot, of, lot, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first episode of the Joshua Mock podcast where we talk about faith, family, finances, fitness, and friends. So this guy, of course, clearly a finance, or I'm sorry, a fitness expert, but also uh, one of my best friends. So thanks, Seth. Appreciate yeah. your time, man. Thanks, man.